and we are live. Hello, 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 everyone. How are you today? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I've got a bit of a cold. No oh. cold. Hashtag not COVID. Oh um, well, hashtag. Thanks for caveating that. Um, yeah. How have you managed to get a cold in this weather? Well, when you have um, a small child, they're just filled with they're, they're little petri dishes. They're walking oh. bacteria and germ balls. So. You're not supposed to lick them. You don't get a choice sometimes. Sometimes you're licked without permission. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what's happened. And, yeah, in this heat, because this is the second heat wave, people. Um, ah, yeah, it's um, it's not great. No, no, I feel for you. I feel for you. Thank you. So if my brain farts the more than usual, you know why. Oh, oh so you're just putting that in early. <laughs> Here's my excuses, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Well, um, everyone, welcome to uh, Strong Tea and Brain Fart Vicky and myself, Katie. Um, we are, if you haven't joined us um, already, we are Strong Tea, which is a podcast designed to talk about taboo topics, um, topics which are difficult to talk about, things that people shy away from, things that people sort of tend to stick their head in the sand over. And uh, Vicky and I have been working tirelessly uh, to try and open up the conversation on difficult topics and this is no exception. So before um, we move on and Vicky tells you what we're talking about today, I want to know, with your cold, I'm guessing it could be a lemsip, but what are you drinking? I've just smashed a chamomile and honey. Oh, yes, same. Yeah, yeah. It, it just kind of makes you feel a bit better. And now I'm just on the water, probably have a coffee mid-morning. So Nice, uh, yeah. nice. Yeah, I felt the chamomile and honey chamomile and honey was a good shout this morning. Yeah, it's a very summery tea, isn't it? It is not too floral. No. Yeah, floral. some of them are a bit like ugh, like you're drinking potpourri. Yeah, we've had our fair share of perfumey teas, haven't we? Yeah, they're not great. Maybe we should change the name and try something else. What perfume tea? <laughs> Strong perfume, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Anyway, we're digressing yet again. Um <laughs> If you're joining us for this episode, this is one of um, a series we're doing throughout um, this month, and it's the death series. Um, and this series is literally going into topics related to death, dying, grief and loss. Um, so a very, very serious topic. There are some light moments that we have had during this series. Um so, yeah, p please do listen to the rest of the series. But this one today um, particularly comes with a trigger warning. Um, because today's discussion is about child loss um, and we will be talking to Katie about her experience. Um, if you joined us for episode one, which was our first ever episode, we did talk about grief, loss and Katie did talk about um, Poppy, but this is a more up-to-date kind of what's happened since then and a recap of, of where we are. So a trigger warning here is this episode does contain um, details of baby loss, child loss, grief. Um, so yeah, without further ado, Katie, thank you so much again for opening up this discussion because I think this is one that's particularly difficult. Um, and obviously you're, you're one of my besties, so I know that the journey that you've you've been on and just how harrowing it's been. Um, but for the sake of our listeners, uh, tell us your story, What's what happened? Okay, um, well... It's I, first before I tell you what happened, I think it's important to say that talking about child loss is so important. It's something that is 
um, extremely taboo. And I'll be honest, before I lost Poppy, when I was pregnant, anything that mentioned anything like miscarriage, um, uh, stillbirth, uh, SIDS, anything like that, I was like instantly like, oh, God, turn, turn the page over. I don't want to read anything about that or, you know, because it does uh, breed fear and panic um and a lot of people might not want to listen to this episode and that's okay but I think it's important to do this episode for anyone that has lost a child or anyone who's trying to support someone who's lost a child so um our story started in um well it didn't start in April uh 2021 it started way before that when I got pregnant with Poppy um Poppy uh, was my first child and she, uh, we found out we were having a girl at 20 weeks. And honestly, I was so excited. Everyone up until that point had been saying, you're having a boy. You're definitely having a boy. <laughs> and at the uh, 20 week scan, the woman said, you're having a little girl. And honestly, my heart like burst. Not that I wasn't excited about, you know, whatever I was having. I didn't care. But, you know, having a little girl, I was like, oh my God. And so from that point on, I was like, what can I buy? Um, and so continued from November to March, which was my due date, um, a flurry of purchases. Um, that makes it sound like there was one or two. There were many, <laughs> many deliveries brought to the house, mainly on days when Neil was at work, um, of little girly dresses and pretty little outfits and things. And just just really looking forward and so excited. And we bought absolutely everything. Um, and I was due on March the 29th. And I was keen not to have any intervention. So I didn't want to be induced. I didn't want to mess with the process at all. I just wanted it to happen as naturally as I possibly could. So got to March 29th. I was absolutely huge. I thought, there's no way I'm going to get to my due date. And in the end, I ended up going over. And I went in for a couple of sweeps, if you don't know what they are please Google them because they're not pleasant. I'm not going to explain what they are. <laughs> and nothing, nothing sort of got going from there. I tried everything, all of the old wives tales, the pineapple, the curry, oh, yeah. you know, bouncing on the bouncy <laughs> ball, everything you could think of I tried. None of it worked. Um, so I ended up um, having a conversation with the hospital and they said, we can induce you. And I uh, wanted a water birth. So there were only certain routes of induction I could go down. So we ended up having um, an induction. And uh, everything happened incredibly quickly from the minute I was induced. Um, and I went into what's called hyperstimulation, which is where your body goes into labor almost too quickly. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not really a gradual process like you would do it naturally. Although I know some people have very quick labors, but again, it's the body doing it naturally. It's not forced mm -hmm. into it. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember as soon as it started to happen, I said to the midwife, I said, when, when will I know that I'm in labor? Because they'd literally just put the, the gel in. Mm -hmm. And um, she said, oh, you'll know. You'll know if you're in labor. I was like, well, I've got some quite intense period pains around my back. And this was literally like 20 minutes after they put the gel in. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, no, it's, it's probably not labor. It's probably not labor. Uh, anyway, it was. And it went from sort of zero to hero in about, uh, I don't know, about an hour. Within an hour, oh, I was properly contracting yeah. incredibly quickly. Um, and from that point on, the rest is, it's almost a little bit too triggering to go into. Mm -hmm. 
um, the ins and outs of exactly what happened. Um, but I went forward to have a water birth. Um, there were complications and I was rushed to theatre. I was never told there was any issues. I was just told, oh, baby's not coming out. You know, baby's, you know, getting tired now. And so the next thing I know, I'm being taken down to theatre um, for what I was told was a forceps delivery. Neil was coming with me. Everything was fine as far as I was aware. Um, between the room that I was in and getting to theatre, um, they then decided that they had to do an emergency C-section and Neil couldn't be there. But they didn't tell me this until I started to have a panic attack, um, at which point they told me, um, we have to get your baby out now. And that was the first point I discovered there was panic. And then I was in theatre on my own. And again, um, this part is incredibly triggering for me. Um, the um, the process of sort of what came next, um, there was a lot of panic and um, a lot of distress, um, not just from me, um, from the team that were in the theatre. And the next thing I know, I, well, I don't know, I was unconscious, but I was unconscious because the next thing I know I was waking up. And the first thing I asked was, where is she? Where's Poppy? And um, they said, oh, um, we'll we'll get someone for you now. Now that was that was it. That was all I was left with. We'll get someone for you now. I was like, why didn't you why do you need to get someone? Where's my daughter? Anyway, they went and got Neil. Um, and I said to him, What's going on? And he said, Um, oh, she's down in um the uh neonatal intensive care unit. But she's fine because that's what they told him. They had left him in a room for an hour and not told him anything. And when he went to find someone, they said, oh, she's, uh, yeah, she's just on her way to uh, be popped on into the ICU. Um, but she's absolutely fine, pink and healthy. Um, so we, you know, that's that's all we knew. Um, the next thing I know, a neonatal surgeon has arrived in the room and she said, and I quote, your daughter is gravely ill. I'll never forget those words because I was just like, hold on a minute, you know, so this was, I think this was, this was about six o'clock in the morning. Um, I'd gone into theatre about three. Um, I was like, hold on a minute. I had arrived in hospital yesterday at one o'clock in the afternoon. I had a perfectly healthy baby. And now you're telling me my baby's gravely ill. What the hell's happened? And there were complications during birth. And, um, you know, it then sort of went on to the conversation about if she does survive, she's not going to have any quality of life. Um, and those discussions then talked about switching off life support. You know, they basically said she doesn't have any brain activity. Um, she is being kept alive on a ventilator. And then for the next couple of hours, we were told that there was some hope because she could be put onto um, something called cold mat treatment because she came out not she came out of me not breathing and they had to resuscitate her. And uh, there's something called cold mat treatment, which can be given to babies if they've come out not breathing. It kind of stimulates everything and helps support um, healthy progress and um, uh, recovery. Um, and there was discussion about that. And there was discussion about possibly taking her to a specialist unit in, I think it was Nottingham, 
And so at this point, I'm thinking, oh, my God, the worst thing has happened, but there's still hope. And probably so she the, the neonatal uh, surgeon went and got a second opinion. She got another neonatal surgeon in um, from locally uh, to review the case. And he said, unfortunately, there's no point in doing this treatment because it's just she's she's too far gone, basically. Um, and he, they basically sort of said she she's going to die. And I was I mean, they took her to see they took us to see her. I was still in a wheelchair because of the C-section and she was hooked up to all these different ventilators and things. And um, we were in the neonatal intensive care unit and there were other babies crying, which I really struggled with because, you know, you think baby's crying, you think, oh, God, baby's in distress or please stop crying. And there she was just hooked up to all these machines with a tube in her throat and she was just so still she was there was just you know and um we went back to the room and of course we had to then tell our family members we had to tell um, my parents and Neil's parents and I was just like you know um you know a few hours ago we'd been texting them saying you know, Kate's going up to the uh, to the birthing pool now. You know, everything's going really well. And all of a sudden now we're texting them to tell them that their grandchild's not going to make it. And it's, yeah, um, Neil did that. I was I was in shock and I was still very, very drugged up. Um, and um, then things sort of progressed over the next couple of hours to the point where they were like, she's having seizures, you know, if you if you have family members that you want to say goodbye, you need to get them in now. And it, I was still in shock. I I don't think anything prepared me. Well, nothing can prepare you for something like that, especially if you have no idea that it's coming. You know, there's no way on earth you can ever prepare yourself for the shock of that. And um, my uh, it was during COVID, um, and they allowed my mum and dad and Neil's mum into the hospital and they got to meet Poppy and um, they then um, sorry they um, they unhooked her and um, she laid in my arms and I said I'll never forget it (laughs) and she was absolutely perfect I didn't think I was going to cry like this um Mm. she's absolutely perfect and I still couldn't believe that that was it and I was again still in shock and um I held her until the end and um yeah then uh, we had to come home without her and start our lives and again the shock of that was just earth shattering I can't even think of another a phrase for it it was completely mind-blowing um and also there's not there doesn't appear to be well if they did they didn't offer it to me there's no uh back exit that you can take out of the hospital so that you don't have to walk past people taking their babies home or women coming in you know pregnant in labor and you have to walk past everyone you know with your empty car seat and your bags and you have to leave and we came home I remember 
um, just sitting in the car, and we don't live that far from the hospital, just completely shell-shocked and staring out the window. And we got home, and Neil, because obviously I was still trying to recover from the C-section, so things were still quite sore when I was moving around, but Neil um, walked me in, and I just sat at the table, and I, I stared, and I stared and stared and stared, at nothing and my parents were there and Neil's mum was there and you know no one knew what to do no one knew what to say to me no one knew what to do for themselves and then I just started to cry and it was just this harrowing um like almost like a wailing cry like sobbing just uncontrollably sobbing because I just couldn't I couldn't believe it and the coming days were um that sort of uh, disbelief, and honestly, I did. I, I thought about the most um, incomprehensible things that you can think of. Of like, oh my god, listen! If there's a deal to be made with the devil, I will do it now. Just take, take my soul, if you like. Please bring her back. Anything to bring her back. If I could turn back the clock, if I could make a different decision, if I could have known that something was wrong, and. There was, of course, nothing I could do, and it just started off the longest journey of grief that, um, well, anyone who's ever lost anyone knows that grief never ends, but the shock that comes of losing someone that you have so many plans for because mm -hmm. you haven't just lost them, you've lost the future, and that's one of the hardest things. Thank you so much. I think we all need a moment, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, it just sounds just incredibly traumatic. Um, yeah, there are no words. Um, obviously, you had um, that reaction of that disbelief, bargaining. How was everyone around you in terms of grieving? Um, I think... I think probably when you witness firsthand, and anyone who, again, has ever lost anyone will probably be able to relate to this but everyone deals with grief differently and it's one of those age-old things that you always hear oh you know everyone deals with grief in their own way but it's so true and Neil pretty much just threw himself into looking after me making sure that I was eating he did the same for the family you know my mum and dad and Neil's mum sort of basically moved in with us for a week just to sort of help support us and just to well, we were grieving as a family so I think actually having that time together um was probably what we all needed and um so Neil was just taking on the role of right let's just make sure Kate eats what what should we cook to make sure everyone eats and was just making pot after pot of soup and macaroni cheese and risotto and anything that he could think of that was stodgy and full of sort of vegetables to get in me and I would just have the smallest bowl and I would be sort of starting to eat something and I would just put my fork down and just cry into it because I didn't you know I was just like what's the point what's the point mm -hmm. of eating you know um and it was it was hard because I think at that point, and I look back now and I find it harder to think back to what it was like, but seeing my parents grieve 
at the time I was very much it was almost like I was wearing blinkers at the time and I couldn't really see what was going on around me and I um some of the things that I said would set everyone else off I remember sitting one night um it was the first night we got home and we were sat and it started to get dark outside and I said it's it's night time and she shouldn't be without a mum and it set everyone else off <laughs> I was just like I was so traumatized by the thought of her being on her own even though she was gone by that point everyone else was crying around me and I was just like yeah my bad sorry <laughs> um but um yeah it was it was hard it was looking back it was hard to see my mum and dad grieve because they weren't just grieving the loss of their granddaughter uh, they were seeing me completely mm. broken and um I think not only looking at the immediate family um like friends of ours got in touch and some people like got we got a friend of ours who got in the car in Scotland and drove five hours just to turn up on our doorstep because he didn't know what else to do he didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to send. Mm -hmm. So he just turned up and stood in our kitchen with us crying. And, you know, that was the sweetest gesture. Um, and people sent gift packages and um, flowers and cards. And it's weird because some people, and I know we've talked about this with your experience in the past as well, some people, especially sometimes some those that you don't um, expect, are absolutely incredible mm -hmm. people come out of nowhere that yeah. you're like christ almighty I'm, i haven't spoken to you for years you know mm -hmm. friends on facebook and used to be good friends but haven't spoken to you in years and all of a sudden you're like please tell me what i can do for you you're checking in mm -hmm. on me all the time you know and then there are people that you think are going to be there and they're not mm -hmm. and at the time, I don't think I thought about that because it was just a blur. And honestly, our house looked like a florist. And my <laughs> mum and Neil's mum were literally, um, <laughs> Neil's mum was bringing vases from her own house. And my mum and dad went to the shops and bought more because we didn't have enough. And Neil was just like, I don't, I don't want all these flowers because it was just a constant reminder. And I, I get why he was saying that. I also find it weirdly ironic about how people send flowers, which are going to die yeah. to someone yeah. who's just lost someone. Cause you're just like, this is really ironic. Um, but yeah, like tons upon tons of flowers and seeing how people around us reacted as well was sometimes quite difficult because some people really got it. And other people just said the most insane things that you're just like, how did you think that was appropriate? Um, and it's just, it's weird because, yeah, like everyone, everyone grieves in their own way. But mm. um, I will forever be grateful for the people that were there and that didn't give up on me, even though I was just like, I can't do this right now. I can't talk to you. I can't respond to your text. Mm. I can't see you. And they just kept tapping away you know, I'm here if you need me. If you, you know, let, uh, just sending me a little card every now and then to say, still thinking of you. And eventually coming through that incredibly dark patch, I was very, very grateful for it. It's, I think grief is difficult anyway. When you know someone who has lost um, a relative, a close one, or, you know, it, it's difficult. But I think with your 
horrendous situation of losing Poppy, I think it throws people turn left, especially when it's a child. Mm. I think it's, you know, if it's an older person, there's almost like a reconciliation that you can do of, oh, well, they lived a long life. You know, it's yeah. still tragic. It's still horrible. But there are things to kind of uh, look back on, like favorite memories and things like yeah. that. But when it comes to a child, there's it always feels just so unfair, unjust. You know, it's cruel to lose a child. That's not the order of things. Yeah. So going back to what you said about what people said or did say more about that you know what what was the thing if someone loses a child what do you say and what really what shouldn't you say I think um I think the thing that got me the most and this really really honestly now even now it still winds me up um and they would say um oh god needed another angel now several points I'd like to cover with that one first off um if you're not religious or I'm not religious why would that have any um, Mm. meaning to me whatsoever why would that be even remotely appropriate to say secondly yes that's fine to say if he's taken my child and not yours you know it's it's that whole if you don't so I know I understand that people say things to try and help I don't think anything's come from a malicious point or um, a place of wanting to upset you Mm. but truly I think unless you've lost a child the only thing that you can say that's appropriate is I have absolutely no idea what you're going through and this must be absolutely horrific tell me what I can do or I'm here for you I'm here to listen. I'm here, you know, you don't have to relate. Loads of people said to me as well, um, like, um, oh, I had a miscarriage. But I know that's nothing like what you went through. Now, when people say that now, I'm like, don't belittle your own loss because Mm -hmm. loss at any point is horrific. You know, trying to compare it is, again, not not appropriate. Um, But at the time, I was just like... Or if you've, it, it, no, it's not similar. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very, it's very difficult hmm. because it's such a, like you say, it's very unjust. It's very unfair. And at that point you're already feeling very angry. Yeah. And people don't know what to say. And you expect that because I don't think I'd know what to say. I would now because obviously hmm. I've been through it, but, you know, I wrote um, a Facebook post just thanking everyone for, um, what they'd done for me and I said um you know for those of you that haven't been in touch because you don't know what to say that's okay because I wouldn't know what to say either but just knowing that you're there helps Mm -hmm. a lot and from that point lots of people text and said I'm so glad you wrote that because I haven't known what to say and I know I haven't been in touch and I'm really sorry for that but I just don't know what to say you know and a lot of them were people with kids Mm -hmm. and they're just like I couldn't even imagine what you've been through and that's so horrific that I don't even know where to start and you almost like that fear that I talked about during pregnancy when people talk about things like miscarriage and you're like I don't Mm. talk about that I don't hear it I think people with kids can really relate what it would be like that feeling of losing them and so it puts the fear of God into them the way they're like I don't I don't you know and they sort of run for the hills um yeah but I think yeah the the only helpful thing to say really is 
you know, I'm here for you. I will listen. I will stand by your side. I'm here to walk with you, talk with you. You know, don't try and relate unless you've been there and you can offer mm. some sound advice from personal experience because it's it's hard. Yeah. I think child loss is probably one of the biggest taboos um, with death and grief because it's, yeah, it's just so, and as you said, people who have children or who want children, they don't want to look at it because it's just too scary. Yeah, It's too overwhelming. It's such an alien concept to lose something you know that that dear yeah um that they just don't want to think about it Um, we're all with you today katie i just wanted to you know we're all with you we're kind of here don't don't say that i'll cry again structure i I didn't want to make you cry for more (laughs) but that's i kind of said that as a precursor of if you feel comfortable enough to talk about the funeral and what happened there yeah, I mean, the funeral was a difficult one. I, I kind of, much like you talked about um, in your episode when you lost your mum, the practical element of planning and throwing yourself into something because I'm very much a, an, an organisational person and having something to focus on was like, right, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, this is how we're going to do this. And it was during COVID, so we couldn't have invited many people anyway but actually I don't think we would have wanted many people there because Mm. I couldn't I couldn't deal with it um I remember getting my mum and dad to go and um scope out uh funeral directors which seems like a really weird thing but I was just like I just I didn't want to think of her in you know like you get some funeral directors that are like shitty little shops and Mm. just a bit they don't feel nice and I didn't want that. And so mum and dad went off, um, for which I'll forever be grateful, and um, met with a couple of people. And um, we finally found one and we went in to meet them. And I will just, I'll never forget the conversation um, that we had um, about choosing a coffin. And it's the, it's just so heart-wrenchingly difficult to think that, you know, two weeks ago I was look at me I was off and in my pregnancy wear and planning about bringing a baby home and all of a sudden I'm choosing a tiny white coffin it's just horrific and I will never that will that will never ever leave me um and we chose to go and see her as well um I don't think it's something Neil really wanted to do, but I wanted to do, and I was prepared to go on my own, but he mm. didn't want to leave me to do that on my own. So he um, he came with me um, and we saw her and it was, I'm, I'm glad I got to see her at that point, um, but it was still incredibly hard. And we asked people um, like her family and um, godparents as well, even though we're not, so we always said because we're not religious we wouldn't call them godparents but we wanted people significant people in her life mm. um and we asked them to write a, either a letter to her or a poem or something and i printed them all out on little scrolls um and tied them all up with tartan ribbon and it's neil's mm. family tartan um so well my family my family, Your family. yeah yeah um so um yeah so we did that um and the we had Jane Greyer 
who of course we've had on as a guest um as our celebrant and jane jane was a celebrant at our wedding so it's if i could just pick up jane and put her in my pocket um <laughs> and have her there for all elements of my life it would be great because jane's such a wonderful person and she she actually came over the week after it happened and she sat with neil and i and you know it was covid and everyone was wearing masks and she came in and she said do you want me to wear a mask and i was like god no and she ripped it off and just gave me the biggest hug mm. um and we talked about what we could do for her the ceremony and it was just such a beautiful little service and we did it outside um in the gardens the crematorium just under this uh, big huge tree and um jane read out the little letters that uh, the people had sent um and at the end i had written something and that i said at the time because jane said do you want me to read it or do you are you happy reading it and i said you know what i'm gonna I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try and read it myself. And I did. And the sun shone through at that point and it just felt right. And then um, Neil and I went through to the crematorium, just, just the two of us for that last final bit. And that was, that was so difficult. And um, we had chosen music and I don't think I'll ever be able to listen to that song again. Mm. Um, And that was, it just felt so final seeing the coffin there and, it being like the end and we came home and there had been about 10 people at the funeral and um I I hadn't drunk anything in weeks because I was uh, as in alcohol uh, well I hadn't drunk anything obviously since I've been pregnant um and I hadn't had anything in the weeks after because I was just terrified that I would start drinking and I just wouldn't stop mm. um and it had been a month since she died and I was like right I'm gonna have a gin and tonic just to see if I can sort of calm my nerves and it hit me like a like a sack truck um (laughs) and um I was all of a sudden we were like talking and telling stories and I kind of it was it was weird it was kind of like um I don't I don't know I can't explain the emotion but I, I had all the people there that you know I was close to and I didn't want that bit to end because I knew as soon as those people went home, everyone was going back to their lives and you still sat with it. And that was the, that was the afternoon of the funeral. Everyone had gone home and all of a sudden it was just like our daughter died and now we have to get on with our lives. And Mm. it, that was the most um, bleak. It felt so bleak because you're just like, where the hell do I go from here? It's almost like you had that finality of, you know, the coffin going in that event, but that's not the finality. That's not, that's not the end. And it, I mean, grief can feel so isolating. So I can't imagine how having everyone around and then just leave and having that pain remain just, it's just horrendous. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I, um, Neil was doing all he could to try and comfort me. Mm. And I, like, I was at the point where I was like, I don't, I don't want Neil to leave me on the, like, like on the sofa on my own, like even to go into the other room. I was like, Mm. I, I I was so terrified of being on my own because then I would be having to think about things and, Mm. you know, and so we decided, we decided to, 
watch the lord of the rings um which i have seen before but only once and neil was like let's watch lord of the rings all of them and let's watch the director's cut wow which of course some <laughs> of them are like five hours long um but do you know what it was the best use of time because there's no talk in them of babies or children or child loss or pregnancy or anything like that nothing mm. triggering it's all just hobbits and gandalfs Elves. yeah yes yeah all of that um and that's that's uh mm. when you need it the most that is uh that's quite helpful to have something which completely takes your mind off things absolutely um skipping ahead obviously then you you got pregnant with little freddie who, who may wake up at any point by the way for those of you who are only just uh, uh, listening to this for the first first one in a while, um, Freddie is 10 and a half weeks old and currently asleep next to me. Um, so if he does wake up, that's that'll be the squeaking that you can hear. But it's OK because he's involved in the second part of this episode. So it's fine. Exactly. He might actually want to take part and, yes. and bring his story. Yeah. Um, but obviously being pregnant with Freddie um, and we've always said that grief is always going to be there but it's obviously it's rawest closer to the time mm-hmm. so talk to us about grief during your pregnancy I think um Neil and I had a conversation very early on after we lost Poppy that we wanted to try again um when neither of us are getting any younger is what everyone says mm-hmm. but um we are both sort of uh later stages shall we say and we didn't want to waste any time um so we were trying which again is it's not traumatic but it's it's incredibly difficult when you're grieving and you're trying for a baby and then each month you're getting the negative pregnancy test and we actually found out I was pregnant um on our holiday which we were on for Neil's 40th birthday and it was um six months after Poppy died and it was so it was it was an incredibly emotional week we found out I was pregnant Neil turned 40 it was six months since we lost Poppy and also it was the wave of light which is baby loss awareness week so it was all happened oh my word yeah I know there's a lot going on um that and we'd arranged to go out on a boat for Neil's birthday um and uh anyone that knows me during pregnancy I suffer morning sickness like you wouldn't believe and even though this we just found out because I'd started feeling sicky I was just like oh my god I can't believe we're going on a boat (laughs) on a boat with it (laughs) um so that was fun um so yeah it when we found out it was the most amazing moment but we did sit there for the rest of the time um the rest of that week we were in Greece we were just like what the hell do we do now? And the only way that I can describe it was we that we were frightened. We were really frightened. And even though there was nothing wrong with my pregnancy and I'd had the perfect, perfect textbook, if you like, pregnancy with Poppy, there was nothing to say that was going to be the same this time. And also when you have experienced loss, you are exposed to... Um, people when you go into communities to try and get support so grief communities um you're exposed to people who have had miscarriages um stillbirths sudden infant Mm -hmm. death syndrome and that's that's hard because all of a sudden you are opening up a door to Mm -hmm. things that you can't you can't ever shut out again Mm -hmm. um I made friends with two two fantastic 
women who uh, both lost their daughters um, in the weeks uh, just just before Poppy, actually. And we they they became a massive, massive support to me. And in the end, we all got pregnant around about the same time. And so being able to go through that loss journey um, with them, but then also pregnancy after loss mm. was was a huge thing. Um, pregnancy after loss is is hard. It after, Behind losing Poppy, it's the hardest thing I'll ever have to go through because every single day was terrifying. It was terrifying for the reasons where you fear the loss again, because you know what that feels like and I honestly didn't think I would survive it again I didn't think I could do it again and whilst I never um after after I lost Poppy I never thought about suicide in the sense that I would do it but there were days when I woke up or I would go to bed at night and think it would just be easier if I didn't wake up and that's Mm. not a sense of me saying I would ever do something to hurt myself but that's me saying I was so outrageously exhausted with it all yeah. that I was just like I can't do this anymore I felt completely drained and becoming pregnant again gave me such a sense of hope and just a desire to push forward that it it's it saved me essentially um but i think when you've when you when you're trying to grieve something like i felt so much guilt about being pregnant again and guilt is a normal part of grief anyway but add on the different layers it's like a big um like this experience is like a big onion because there are so many different layers mm. to it that factored in was like the guilt you know the pain the fear all the anxiety, you know, everything that sort of ticks over, plus the added hormones of pregnancy, where you are crying all the time anyway. Um, it was just, it was just hard. It was a long, long nine months for sure. It's interesting because it, it was obviously filled with two extremes. It was, as you said, the hope and then the massive extreme of just crippling fear. Yeah. Um, all in one experience. And I know during pregnancy, particularly the later stages, we had a lot of discussions because that fear just, it, it just grew and grew towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the closer you are, the more you fear the loss because mm. you're almost at that finish line. And I think obviously because of what happened to me before, I had got to the so-called finish line. I got to the point where I'd I'd done my bit. I had looked after her for nine months and I'd gone into a hospital to say, here, I'm here to have my baby. Please take care of me. I'm in your hands. And then it all gone to shit. Mm. So I think, you know, that element of it where you're edging ever closer and my consultant, I must say my consultant was absolutely fantastic. He knew exactly what we'd been through. And he did everything. He did whatever he, whatever I needed of him, he did. He said, you know, right, well, let's talk about how this pregnancy is going to go. Let's talk about when you have your C-section, what's that going to be like mm-hmm. from the moment you step through the door? You know, it, and he did whatever he could to alleviate any panic or fear at the time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it, it's, it's crippling, though. It really is. Yeah. 
I think it's really interesting with you saying about um because we've talked about grief and grief unites people that feeling of grief can unite people but it didn't help you in your situation because of that exposure of the different types of loss yeah that could potentially still happen whether that's you know miscarriage or you know SIDS or something and I so yeah I I find that it, it's just it's just crazy isn't it the people that you hope would be the closest community was actually yeah. quite triggering for you as well yeah and I had to step away from um mm. from a lot of those groups uh because yeah. I was and I you know if you have lost a child I would say proceed with caution to those groups because some people do post incredibly triggering pictures on there and I know it's supposed to be a safe place for that but I still think I don't know you know it's it 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 depends at what stage you're at and I was at the start very much in need of speaking to people who had experienced exactly what I'd been through because I had Neil who knew what it was like as a parent to lose Poppy mm. but Neil couldn't relate to carrying the baby for nine months and then to lose it so I needed mm. to speak to other mums so that I had almost the two um facets of of that loss and I needed to be able to speak to people who'd been through both and so by doing that I was very lucky to meet the girls that I met because there were so many people who had been through similar things and I mm. I continued speaking to some of them for some time um but you have to be careful because you're on your own journey and some people are more triggering for you than than is probably appropriate. Mm. You you kind of talked about that onion there, the, mm -hmm. the grief onion that you, that you had during pregnancy. What did that onion look like now that Freddie's here? How is your grief journey going now? I think um, I think the first couple of weeks were tough because, you know, you've got all that. He's definitely waking up now. <laughs> you've got all of those elements of grief that you're struggling with. Um, but then add on to the top of that, that postnatal purge that you go through where all your hormones are like, oh, hey, listen, no, you've just been through baby birth and everything. And that's crazy. Uh, but what we're going to do now is we're just going to throw some extra stuff at you, um, <laughs> which is going to make you cry for days. And you're going to think you're having a mental breakdown. That, um, that's hard. Um, because mm -hmm. I realized what I had lost with Poppy. I know that's a really weird thing to say, no. but I hadn't had a baby before Poppy so I didn't know what it was like to bring a child home I didn't know what it was like to hold my own child or any of that so those moments where I held her and those memories that I keep are, are basically all I have of her um when I brought Freddie home and you know especially as the sort of weeks went on and he starts to develop and, you know, there's all these little things like, you know, he's got these little dimples and he started to smile and he started to giggle and now he started to try and roll over and things. And you start to look at how babies grow. And I, I don't think I'd ever really thought about all those little things. I thought about the loss of Poppy as one big, thing where I thought my god you know we'd thought about taking her on holiday here and we thought about going here and we thought about you know this little outfit that we picked out for her we never thought about all those little tiny 
bits that you get which bring so much joy and I think if you know I say it's weird because say if I didn't have Freddie which meant I wouldn't feel like this anyway but you know he's kept me strong through this because this has been this has been tough um and I'm not sure if that's because of the added hormones that come with it but seeing him and feeling the way that I do about him which I didn't even know was possible I didn't think after losing Poppy I didn't think I was ever going to feel pure unadulterated joy again and the second he was placed in my arms was just like I never I never don't you cry you'll set me off stop it um right I never I never thought I would experience that again and I I remember okay this is your fault because you sent me off now I remember saying to him in the first um first couple of weeks when I was holding him feeding one day and I said I am gonna love you until the very end of my days and I I just can't um I just can't describe how much I love him but also the fact that if Poppy had have lived Freddie would never have existed and that's that blows my mind as well because Mm. we wouldn't have had a baby so quickly um which meant he would be a different baby in a different time and I would have loved that baby just as much but the thought of losing one but having so much joy from another is it just blows your mind on a daily basis because Mm -hmm. I I have done so much since I lost Poppy and part of my journey was wanting to help others and so setting up um, Strong and Brave the website was a massive help for me and I kind of thought about it afterwards and I thought I, I never wanted to lose Poppy oh god no one would ever want that but from it I have helped others um I've had a couple of women get in touch with me on the website and say my god this is what I'm going through at the moment and reading that resonated so much and I'm so glad I'm not on my own and I'm so mm-hmm. glad someone else gets it and I think that's so important because people do feel so alone I was so desperate in the early days I was just anywhere I could find grief grief groups um grief loss apps anything absolutely anything I was just like please help me please help me is there anyone else that's been through this and you're kind of like Dory and finding Nemo just constantly looking because you're just like I need you almost need a fix of someone to say I get it I get exactly what you're going through and I will walk with you but realistically if someone is going through that or has been through that they're on their own journey and they're not necessarily going to be the best person to walk with you because honestly they've got their own shit going on but you know knowing that you're not alone is a massive massive help and yeah I I don't think I'll ever be able to thank the girls that I met enough really for that give them a shout out yes thank you to Joe and Farah because you girls are amazing quite honestly you are just amazing I think what you're talking about is Poppy's legacy I think the fact that you have set up strong and brave you write these incredible articles that resonate so much with you know mums who have lost their little ones or even mums going through an incredibly tough time because 
you know, as as your journey through motherhood goes, your your articles are getting more and more interesting <laughs> and kind of everyone can kind of, oh, yeah, I get that. But in my mind, that's Poppy's legacy. Strong and brave wouldn't have been born um, without the strength that she gave you. And I find that extremely, I'm going to set myself off, that's extremely powerful. Um, and to have Freddie as your wingman by your side whilst you're going through this this journey. And recording um, podcasts. And recording podcasts is, you know, he's going to be a techie genius, isn't he? By being involved with these podcasts. That or a drummer. That or a drummer. <laughs> um, obviously, this is, uh, we've, we've mentioned a few bits before about what to say, what not to say. Um, particular groups to be involved with, not be involved with. What would be your advice for those grieving or trying to support those going through child loss? Um, I think I think it's probably twofold. So the ones um, who are grieving themselves, um, it's so easy to just sit and wallow, and it is. I did it. I did it for days, and I don't think that helped me at all because um my mind I'm I'm a particularly anxious person anyway and my brain just spins at an alarming rate um on a regular basis not not just through baby loss it's it's um quite frankly incredibly irritating um to have a brain that does what mine does um Vicky I know you appreciate that (laughs) and I think it's different people gave me different advice and things like you know the phrase take up a hobby is not helpful because it's the last thing that you want to do however I did find that different things helped me and not everything helps the same person and you're gonna have to find your own thing but I found Mm. writing really helped for me I started a journal and I was trying to because I wanted to conceive again I was I threw myself into weight loss and it wasn't like oh I'm going to diet or anything like that it was just like right this is my focus I'm going to start a journal where I write every day what vitamins I've taken how far I've walked because really walking was all I could do to start with because of the c-section um and uh, what I'm eating every day and what's going on in my head and I just use this to track where I was each day and sometimes I'd only write a couple of words and some days would be and it's really weird looking back because you you have pages where it's perfectly written and it's really neat and you think oh those days I was really calm and on other days it's almost like you've just like scratched it into the page where you're so angry and other days have got and I'm not even joking some days are like where the paper you know when paper gets wet and it goes like a little bit crinkly where I've been crying where I've been writing it and journaling helped me massively because I started it week after I came home from the hospital and I looked at it like a month later like three months later days that I was having really bad days I looked back and I could see how far I'd come because I was like oh my god I'm back at square one and I was like no I'm not back at square one because that was horrific that was at that point and I'm not there anymore I'm I have moved on and I tried, I tried lots of things. Hey, Freddie. Hey, hey. Um, I tried lots of things. I tried knitting, which, by the way, is incredibly stressful. Um, <laughs> that didn't help. I tried, I tried cross stitch, but um, 
Oh, there he is. He's trying to have his say now, isn't he? He's like, <laughs> he's like, just have a baby. That's a good hobby. I keep, I keep you busy. Um, 18 years. <laughs> but I tried lots of different things um, to keep my mind busy. And some things it was only like five minutes at a time. But mm. that was all I needed because you need to give your brain. And someone um, said to me, Bethan, I'm going to give her a shout out because she said, you need to give your brain a little holiday every so often. She said, it doesn't matter what it is. She had five, 10 minutes. She said, if sitting quietly and having coffee is going to be too much for you, she's like, sit and watch TV for five, 10 minutes and focus in on something. She said, just do anything that's going to take your mind away from where it is right now into a place where you have that calm. And that's so important when you're grieving. And slowly but surely, there's no quick fix with grieving. And I'm Neil and I are very black and white with everything and are very much like, right, everyone says grief is a process. Let's start at the beginning and move our way through. And honestly, we went and sat with a grief counsellor um, about a week after Poppy died. And she just stared at us because we were like, right, we're here. Can you fix us, please? And she was just like, these people are mental. <laughs> she was just like, that's not how grief works. And we were like, yes, yes, it is. We're prepared to go through it, but just give us the route. Um, it's not, it's just not like that. And I think mm -hmm. the sooner we accepted that, the quicker the process sort of started to go because we, we, we couldn't force it. And mm -hmm. someone actually said to me, I wrote on one of these grief pages, it was uh, Tommy's uh, Facebook page. And I was just like, I don't know how I'm ever not going to feel like this. I was like, I'm crying all day, every day. I feel so low. I don't want to wake up in the mornings. I don't know how to get through this. And this woman wrote, and I never forget it. She said, my daughter died three years ago. And she said, and I never thought I would ever feel joy again. And she said, I couldn't listen to music. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't talk to people. And she said, and slowly but surely, she said, one day I found myself singing to a song on the radio. And I was like, my God, I can't even imagine that. And it seemed like, it seemed like the biggest thing at that point. Before baby loss, you would have thought, oh, singing along something on the radio is just a flyaway thing, isn't it? It's not something you even think about. I couldn't listen to any music for probably about two months after she died. And then one day, I think it was like a, a weekend, and there was just music on in the kitchen. And I started to, I started to sing along. And there it was. And I was just like, wow. I didn't think I would ever get to this point and I I'm here and you think you're never gonna you never get over it and that's one thing that people say that and I did write an article on this because I found this a really unhelpful thing to say which is you're never going to get over it you just learn to live with it now for someone who's grieving that feels like the heaviest statement in the world because saying you learn to live with it makes it feel like you're carrying the biggest, mm -hmm. darkest burden in the world. And you are, but that's not to say that you're never, ever going to feel joy again. Mm. It's hard. It's really hard, but it does come and it might only be little things. And you might just like, I've got a picture. Um, I think it was about three weeks after Poppy died and how dogs were just like, they wouldn't leave my side. And um, one of them fell asleep um and he slid off the sofa 
and he had this is Barney. He had his legs on the floor and the back end was still on the sofa and he fallen asleep like that. And I laughed. I was laughing and I took a photo and I sent it to my mum. And she said, That's so funny. That's that's um cheered us both up. And I was just like, it's just these little things, mm-hmm. these tiny moments. You don't need to think. I can't ever imagine myself going on a family holiday and laughing mm. and going on a water slide. You don't have to think like that. It's just little moments of joy, tiny moments mm. of joy that you might find in a day. Mm. Those things will gradually grow bigger. And yes, it is always there and it is always hard, but gradually you learn to live with it. And something you said in your podcast the other day about when you lost your mum was, you learn to gradually be able to let that grief in. And that's important to remember because there are days when I remember Poppy and I sit and I have a really good cry, like just let it all out because Mm. at that time it feels right to do that. Yeah. I have her picture on the side every day and I look at it every day and I always think about her, but some days I let that in because I feel like I need to, and I just let all the emotion out. And I think it's really healthy to do that. Absolutely. Because the, the grief doesn't change size. The world no. just gets a bit bigger. Yes. Yeah. Someone talked about it, about the, um, about uh, the visualization. I'm going to try mm. and talk about it now without drawing it. But a ball in a box and there's a hole. And no, there's no hole. That's a lie. <laughs> The ball is bouncing around and it's hitting the sides because the box is so small and it's hitting the sides all the time. And every time the box hits the sides, uh, so the ball hits the sides of the box, you feel pain and you cry. And that's what it's like very early on. The ball is so big and the box is so small that you're feeling pain all the time. Gradually, the ball stays the same size, but the box gets bigger. Mm. And so when it hits the sides, it's it's less but it's still there and it's still bouncing around the box, but it's less because the box is much bigger. And someone described that to me, but they drew it. So it was probably easier. It's visual, no. visual aid. <laughs> I think you articulated that beautifully. I thought that was really well said. And that, I think that's a really powerful image to have as well, because that is so true. That's, that is how it feels. It is. But thinking, oh my God, it's going to weigh on me forever is just like mm. the darkest thought when you're already struggling. So don't say that to people. No just say this is going to be a hard journey but I'm here with you you know and you know you will don't ever say you'll feel joy again because at the time when it's when it's so raw that's the last thing you want to hear yeah but people do learn to feel joy yeah and I think on the flip side of that because you asked about those who are supporting those going through baby loss I know I've just sort of caveated that but um just just be there for them just tell them that you're there and even if you don't know what to say say I don't know what to say this is horrendous I'm here if you need me Mm -hmm. and people will get it the ones who are the ones who are going through that loss will know that you don't necessarily know what to do Mm -hmm. because I've got a friend who um she said to me she's like I don't know what to say she's like I don't I don't know many people with kids or babies and I don't particularly like kids or babies and I don't know what to say to you and she was so honest and so blunt I was just like oh my god I really appreciate that and so we just talked about drag race Mm. because why wouldn't you Uh, 
but that was what I needed from someone at that point mm. and just the pure honesty of someone saying I, I don't know what you're going through rather than mm. someone trying to relate mm. just be there for them and just where possible try and provide support for them without them having to ask for it because when we've had this conversation before haven't we where you've said oh I'm here if you need me but then that person might not know how to ask mm. so by saying what do you need from me can sometimes be more helpful and just saying I'm just going to drop off a bag of muffins on your doorstep you don't have to come out you don't have to see me I'm just going to drop that off for you and it's there and I'm I'm here when you're ready that's all all someone really needs because they need to know people are there and not just in the immediate days because Mm. those immediate days go so slowly and everyone is there then everyone is is checking in it's after the funeral it's six months later it's a year later you're never you're never going to get over it so just keep saying and I still get messages now and people take pictures of poppies in the fields and send them to me saying I saw this and I thought poppy and I love that it's so powerful because Mm. it means that people are always thinking of her Mm. and always thinking of of me um which sounds really self-gratuitous doesn't it no no Um, no no no, not at all not at all it's nice to know that just because a year has passed and we've had her birthday and you know and now I've had Freddie you know when Freddie was born a couple of people sent me gifts for Freddie but also sent me gifts of Poppy as well things with a poppy's name on and I thought that's beautiful that's so powerful because she hasn't been forgotten and yeah just if you're trying to support someone just be there for them that's all that's all I can say because that's what they really need they just need someone to listen or bring them lasagna oh lasagna yeah that's a good show vegetarian though no meaty Um, (laughs) extra bechamel sauce as you know we always ask our guests about their final sip what is your final sip for this episode my lovely that's a that's a tough one because it's asking to to sum it all up I think Freddie's got a final sip actually looking at him um (laughs) I think it is the hardest thing anyone will ever go through I'm not belittling any other form of loss but it is so hard because you lose the future you lose the the present the future all your hopes and dreams are are gone and it doesn't matter at what stage someone loses a child those are hard things to lose and they're hard to um contemplate uh, contemplate it's it's hard to it's hard to consider what is to come after such a big loss and anyone who's going through that know that you're not alone there are so many people who have been through it and have survived even though you feel like you won't right now you will um and yeah like I said if you're supporting someone just be there for them it is so utterly debilitating and shell-shocking to be in and around that sort of set of circumstances that no one truly gets over it but Mm the resilience will shine through and you will find the strength from somewhere. And if I can be of any help, if anyone wants to talk about it further, I am here to talk about my experience and offer any support that I can. Even if you just want someone to listen, who knows what it's like to go through it, then I am here. Um, But just be strong. You have got this. 
Katie, I can't thank you enough for being so open, vulnerable and sharing your story today. It's something that a lot of people don't talk about. They live with this grief and their experience behind closed doors. Um, And as we said, child loss is one of the things we should talk about. We need to talk about. So thank you so much for just bearing everything for us, um, including how you're feeling today. For anyone who hasn't, please check out Strong and Brave. Um, It is an incredible platform that Katie's put together some really useful articles on there, some really interesting ones, thought-provoking. There's a lot of resources and thought and care that's gone into um, the, the the platform as well. Um, so that's strongandbrave.co.uk. Yeah, .co.uk. Um, so I didn't know if it was .com. Don't, I thought you were rolling your eyes at me. They go, gosh, you should know this by now. She should be on it. She should I mark it. Reader, I did not roll my eyes. <laughs> But yeah, please check it out. Thank you. Thank you for letting me cry all over you. And I'm going to have to go and uh, ring my microphone out now. because Yeah, thank, thank, thank you for letting me cry. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a little muslin cloth here, Freddie's muslin cloth, um, that I've cried all over. So that's going to have to go straight in the wash. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much. And yeah, thank as Katie you. says, if you've been affected by this episode, please do get in touch. Um, and yes, we will see you on the next episode in our death series. Or another episode of Strong Tea forthcoming. Absolutely. Don't forget to join us and uh, subscribe to our channels. And we look forward to catching you again soon. Okay. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.